Blog Talk Radio. Hello, you reach Motormouth Mosley from the Man Cave. This is Motormouth Mosley. Welcome to the show. We're going to have a great show for you tonight. We got Eric Yamashita, personal trainer, bodybuilder out of Honolulu, Hawaii, on. And we'll be also talking about uh, a couple of the current events that's going on. Remember, you can call in at 347-945-7975, or you can log on to Blog Talk Radio, Motormouth Mosley, go to today's show, and you can join us in chat. <clears throat> We're going to hear today. We're going to talk a little bit about health and fitness with a 46-year-old bodybuilder who took 11 years off of training, came back to competitive uh, bodybuilding, and decided to uh, transform his body into unbelievable shape. And he came in second in the NPC USA Championships, which I think is a great feat for us older guys who who, uh, tend to spend a little bit too much time on the couch, we're also going to touch on a little bit this whole Riley Cooper situation that went on with the Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver. Uh, he's at a Kenny Chesney concert and blurted out some uh, not-so-nice words that uh, were captured on tape. Uh, we'll discuss that, and we'll uh, touch on a little bit about this PED situation with Major League Baseball versus uh, A-Rod. I'm not going to spend too much time on that, but I did want to touch on it. And then I have a little bit of a personal commentary that I want to touch on at the end. But uh, right now, I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Eric Yamashita from Honolulu, Hawaii, the NPC USA runner-up, kicked butt, or as they say in Hawaii, kicked Okole, did his thing. Welcome to the show, Mr. Yamashita. How you doing, Eric? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Aloha. It's great to have him on because not only is he an inspiration for us all guys, but he happens to be a very devout Dallas Cowboy fan, which, of course, fits really well with me. But, Eric, let's talk a bit about um, your motivation going into this competition or what made you decide to get up off uh, the couch, basically, which you've never been on, because as long as I've known you, you've always been in fantastic shape. But what made you decide to come back into competitive bodybuilding after an 11-year break? Well, I, I did 18 shows through the through the 90s and early 2000, and uh, started a personal training business. Was real successful. Got married, had a son, and decided that you know my priorities were shifted. So I put that on the back burner, even though it's what I loved and, and enjoyed doing. Uh, put that on the back burner for 11 years and uh, uh, ended up getting divorced. And I have uh, my my son full-time, so I raised my son full-time. And he's now nine, and he kept asking about these trophies I had dusty on the shelf. And, you know, he's you know, and I, I'm a trainer full-time, so he always asks me about training. And, you know, that's his, that's his lifestyle already. At nine years old, he knows all about health and fitness, and he kept saying, when are you going to go on stage again? So he understands the process, so I decided, hey, I'm 46 now. Let's try to see if I can put this together. So amazingly, in six months, I got in shape and, and did a national level show, which is pretty much unheard of. Yeah, that, that's that's absolutely unheard of. Now, you said it took you six months to get into competitive shape. Now, I'm sure you probably documented this, but when you decided to, to make this change, what were you what were you weighing at that time? 
I'm probably, I mean, I'm I'm a good five feet tall on a good day with shoes, so maybe 140 pounds. I, I always stayed in great shape. You know, I did circuit training and worked out with my clients, but never never in competitive bodybuilding shape. So I stayed in shape to be healthy, and I stayed pretty lean and active, but nothing nothing like the bodybuilding is a very extreme sport that takes a lot of dedication, and, you know, so nothing at that level, but just staying in good shape, you know, every day and kind of stuff. Yeah. It absolutely does. I used to work with a young lady, a Tammy Ornelas, who used to compete, and I used to just trip out over some of the things she put her body through. Now, you're right. You've never been in, at least as far as I've known you, you've never been in bad shape, but I would assume that when you uh, initially started this trek that you your body fat might have been a little bit more than what it was when you got to competition, because I think you, I think they used the terms you were shredded and ripped, and I don't even know if they still use those terms or not. But uh, you, the pictures that I've seen from your competition, I mean, you could see uh, muscles and not, I mean, strands of muscles. Um, so, what was your body weight kind of starting out, and what was it when you decided when when you were ready to to, to hit the floor, the stage? Um, I probably started about 140, and then I decided to uh, increase my training, so lifted lifted heavier weights, um, increased my calories with pretty good food, um, and just kind of changed the lifestyle. So I, I, at this age, I decided that I want to be healthy, so I made sure I had enough sleep. And a lot of people have the have the misconception that you have to train a lot. So I, I did not a lot of training, but more intense training, and I really focused on the nutrition part and the recovery part. You know, it's, it's actually bodybuilding is really like 70, 80% the resting, the recuperation, and the, and the, and the nutrition part, and 20, 30% in the gym. Most people have it backwards. But it seemed to work well for me. I recovered properly, and I put on some muscle. So I probably got up to maybe 150, 152 before I started my, my contest diet, and then dieted down to about 136. So nice and slow. And your body weight at that time when you were in the competition, I mean, was there any body fat on there at all? I mean, I, I couldn't see an yeah. ounce of fat on there. Not a lot. Probably close to maybe 3 or 4%. Pretty pretty low. You 3 or 4% fat. body I've got 3 or 4% body fat in my pinky toe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, now, I mean, now, on Facebook, because I followed you throughout the time that you were you you were dieting and training and, and watching what you eat, I know that you had uh, a lot of bananas in your diet. Approximately over the six months, over the six months, how how many, how much, how many pounds of bananas did you consume? Uh, we tried to figure it out. We're, we're thinking about sixteen hundred, seventeen hundred bananas. So we're looking at 800 pounds of bananas, which seems unheard of. But I was doing 20 plus bananas a day. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a concept that's really hard to get to wrap your head around. But I actually was not doing a lot of cardio, eating lots of fruit, and not very much protein. Training shorter amounts of times, very efficiently. And I'm a part of this movement called Serious Fitness, where we're actually changing people's ideas of how you train and how you eat. Uh, we're gonna we're launching a website www.seriousfitness.com in the within the next month. It's just gonna be big, very very interesting, especially at someone my age. Yeah, you know your 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 workout routine at age forty six versus your workout routine at age thirty five. Do you think that you uh, went about this a wiser, smarter bodybuilder 
Whereas when you were younger, there were things you may not have known back then or things that maybe maybe the training regimen back then was just different and that maybe it's evolved into uh, a more scientific uh, weight training program. Were, were there major differences in how you trained at age 46 versus at age 35? Yeah, I think I definitely took a different approach. I mean, uh, time is priority, so at, at 30, 35, you know, maybe you're not married, you're young and single, you can have all the time in the world. For me, time is important, so I don't have a lot of time. So the time I use, I have to make it very efficient. So I warm up properly and I get straight to the heavy weights. Um, I use really good form, no heat hole, let's go. Um, you know, just really good form and actually concentrated and focused and didn't spend a lot, a lot of time socializing in the gym, which is what I would do before, chasing girls and that kind of stuff. Now it's all business. I go in the gym, I'm in and out within an hour. So it's more intense quality time in the gym than spreading it out over a longer period of time so I get the same kind of workout, but just like you said, more scientific, smarter, um, better form, slowing everything down, better contractions, and then really focusing on my, my post-workout nutrition and my recovery and my sleep. Very important stuff. Awesome. Awesome. In any now, athlete, in any athlete, it equates all across the board in any kind of athletics. Recovery and nutrition, definitely very important. And that's, that leads me into my next question. Not that a person my age or in my condition would want to do all the sacrificing or hard work that you went through, but for someone who just wants to be in better shape, maybe a little intimidated by going to the gym you know, to the big gyms with, uh, you know, the big bodybuilders who sometimes can be somewhat intimidating. Um, are there things that a person can just baby steps to get them up and moving around? I mean, uh, if they get out and work, maybe walk, maybe 35, 40 minutes a day, is that a first step? Is that a decent first step? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, walking is good because you got to walk before you run. The second thing is eat breakfast. Most people don't eat breakfast. Breakfast is breaking the fast. You haven't had any food in your stomach the whole time you're sleeping. The best thing you can do is put nutrition in your body and wakes your, wakes your system up, gets your metabolism going. If you skip breakfast, you slow on your metabolism and easier for you to gain fat. As we get older, we gain more fat and we do less activity. So you want to increase activity and you also want to increase your metabolism. So eating breakfast is very important. And then we usually eat too much for dinner. So I always say eat a good breakfast and a little bit less at dinner and try to move. So this, it seems simple, but application is another story, huh? Absolutely, absolutely, especially somebody who loves a big burger in the middle of the day like I do. Now, uh, again, folks, you're listening to uh, Motormouth Mosley. I've got Eric Yamashita, the runner-up in this year's 2013 NPC USA Bodybuilding Championships. We're talking health and nutrition. We're talking about uh, this man is a 46-year-old single father. You know, A lot of single mothers get a lot of love in this country, but this is a single father doing it the right way, raising his son, and also having a full-time job and went back after an 11-year hiatus and basically kicked a bunch of guys' butts that were considerably younger than him, so I give you a big thumbs up. One One question for you. After competition was over with, and I know that you're probably going to be prepping and you so you won't get too far out of shape and you won't go too crazy because you're probably going to compete again next year. But what one thing during your training was the hardest for you to resist? And also, as soon as the competition was over, what was the one thing that you went out and splurged on? You know, it's, it's funny. I'm, I, like, I, I had bananas, so that was really more of the sweet stuff, so I wanted more salty. 
So my son bought a bag of Doritos. <laughs> he gave them to me. He gave them to me after I finished, and I ate two, and then he took the rest. So it was perfect. I had a little bit of salty. Those tasted good. We we went and got a a burger at Bocce Burgers in, in Vegas, which is a local guy started. That was great. But you know, I mean, I was without a lot of things, but this is my lifestyle. So I had a little bit of food. I gained maybe five pounds in the last week, and. Two, two have come off, so I'm staying lean. I got a lot of business things I want to do, so I'm going to stay relatively in good shape. This is a lifestyle, not necessarily a diet for me. I absolutely love that. Now, uh, one of the questions that we've got calling in from the uh, Internet is, what is your take on eating frequency? And it seems like what people have been saying more recently is that not only eat breakfast, but eat smaller meals you know, maybe five or six smaller meals throughout the day, whereas back in the old days it was three, you know, three squares was, right. you know, the, the diet. Now it seems like people are saying eat eat better, wiser, and more often. Is that true? Because I, I heard that your metabolism picks up, especially for those of us who are trying to keep the weight off. Correct. And the, the, three, the three squares comes from back in the day with with a with nine to five working situation. That's where it comes from, basically. Eat, eat before you go to work and you have a lunch making you have to work. That's the only reason it, 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 it comes out that way. If you think about a baby, a baby will need to eat every two hours or so, um, you know, whether it's breast milk or a bottle feed, but that's, a, that's how the body works. The body can take food in, metabolize, and it's hungry again. So I always tell my clients an analogy of a baby. It needs to be fed regularly every two or three hours. Your body's the same. We've gotten older. We have school and working families and those kind of things get in the way. But technically, our body works really efficiently on small meals throughout the day, spaced out evenly, and then we have a proper flow of nutrients, proper flow of blood, you know, your blood sugar is regulated. That way your body has time to burn it off, use it, burn it off, use it, feed yourself that way. It's a lot easier to do and much more efficient for your body. Keeps your metabolism going. And and, uh, one of the things that I've learned is not only do we need to eat, Regularly, and this may be a subject that may be uncomfortable for some people to uh, discuss, but it helps with our digestion to eat healthy because we should be going, as they say, doing number two, more than once a day or once every two or three days, and people kind of neglect that when it comes to their health. You need to be going almost as often as you eat during uh, during the day. Doesn't that have a part of doing with being healthy, especially at our age? For sure, the body is efficient, but then what happens if we change the process and we feed it irregularly or we feed it stuff that's really processed, the body doesn't know how to break it down. Anytime you have too much food, it's an influx. Your body gets stopped up, so there's not a metabolism. If, you're, if your stomach can hold X amount of food and you put the same amount every time, it'll break it down, eliminate it, use it again. But if you put too much in, which we force, like you go to a buffet, we force it in, the body doesn't know how to break it down and get stuck and we get that qualities and paralysis and we want to fall asleep and that's what happened to the body. All the blood goes to the stomach trying to break down food that shouldn't even be in there if there's too much. So obviously smaller meals are better. The more processed the food, the less fiber is in there. So obviously more organic, more fruits and vegetables will help you process everything and push everything in. Fiber is good for, for elimination. So the farther you get from, from the ground food-wise, the worse it is because it's all chemicals and processed. So it's tougher for your system for sure. Absolutely. I've become a big fan of uh, a couple of post cereals called uh, Good Grains, and they are extremely high in fiber, and I, and I'm, I absolutely love them. Uh, again, listeners, you're listening to the Motormouth Mosley Radio Show. I've got Eric Elmashina, bodybuilder extraordinaire online. If you're looking at doing some advertising on the show, please hit us up at our inbox at motormouthmosley at com. If you've got show ideas or want to call in, 
Uh, we're available on Twitter at uh, MMMosley24. Uh, you can also send checks or donations to P.O. Box 55, Redan, Georgia, 30074, and that would be to the Motormouth Mosley Man Cave. You can also log on to our Facebook page and click on About uh, and um, connect, uh, make your donations via PayPal. Uh, that's I really appreciate you coming on, Eric, and I, if you'd like to hold, I'd like to come back to you in a couple of minutes, but I do want to address uh, this whole Riley Cooper situation. Riley Cooper is a wide receiver uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles who was videotaped at a Kenny Chesney concert, uh, which is a country uh, country music performer, and he uh, made some racial slurs about the security that was there, and it was caught on tape. Uh, it just came to light within the last day or so, and there's been a big stink about it. You know, first we had Paula Dean and her situation, and now we've got Riley Cooper using the N-word also. And my personal take on it is a couple of things. One thing uh, that bothers me about it isn't necessarily that he used the word, because I have a, a complete different feeling on the word to begin with, but the fact is that this was something that happened almost to, over two months ago, that he could have addressed not only uh, publicly, but he could have addressed it with his teammates. I would assume that he knew that he was being videotaped or that someone had the videotape, so why didn't he come out in advance to kind of nip this in the bud, deal with it before training camp started so it wouldn't be an issue now? Uh, Michael Vick, his teammate, has already come out to his defense. He says, I know what kind of guy he is, and we all make mistakes, and if anybody knows about making mistakes, it's Michael Vick. So it's it's somewhat a situation where I have an issue more with the sensationalism of the whole event, the uh, ESPN browbeating someone over this, but my bigger issue overall is just the word itself. I, I don't like the word. I, have I used it? Absolutely. Uh, do I think that Paula Dean should have been raked over the coals? Uh, for using the word? No, I don't. But I do think that the media actually used uh, her usage of the word some years ago to actually cover up the fact that the real issue was her treatment of her employees and her brother, or brother-in-law's treatment of the employees of her restaurants. I think those were the bigger issues, and by focusing on her use of the word and not the mistreatment of those employees, I think it kind of took away from it. Uh, but I don't want to get into a big uh, political statement about the word or her use of the word. But what I do want to say, uh, when it comes to Riley Cooper, what he's got to deal with now is actually not necessarily the fine that was handed down to him as a punishment, but what he's got to deal with now is his teammates. He's got to get them back, I would assume, if he was a liked person on the team, I would, I would assume that he would have to get them back uh, on his side to some degree because, actually, when it comes to team sports, in my opinion, the only colors that really matter are the colors on your jersey. Uh, it doesn't matter what the guy is next to you. If he's doing his job and he's, he's paying the dues that you are, it's all about the uniform. But I think he's got an issue to deal with to get his team, his, the confidence of his teammate and trust of his teammates back. And then during the year, I think there will be some, some repercussions from other players. Um, and I, and I almost would wish that that wasn't the case because I don't, 
this isn't a situation to me that needs to be perpetuated any further. He's apologized. I'm not sure if he apologized for getting caught or for doing it, but he did apologize. He seemed sincere. So ideally for me, I would like, first of all, for everybody to quit using the word. And I don't think that you can take ownership of the word, and we're talking the N-word. I don't think that any race or, or section of society can say it's okay for us to use it but not okay for use it. These are my personal opinions. I think that if anybody with any intelligence who has any grasp of the English vocabulary could find better words to use than those words or racial epithets for any ethnic group. So that's my personal take on it. I'll get off my bandwagon. I'll get off my high horse. Uh, I do want to talk about also the PED situation. It looks like Major League Baseball is going to uh, try to hand down a severe penalty to A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez, maybe a lifetime ban. And I think it's somewhat hypocritical for Major League Baseball to punish these guys and fine these guys and suspend these guys, whereas back during the the era of Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, I believe, in my personal opinion, that they good and well knew that these guys were on something because all of a sudden home, guys were hitting 60, 50 home runs, 70 home runs, whereas that hadn't been the case throughout baseball prior. So I think baseball used PEDs to call it a big umbrella. I think they used PEDs to bring back fans by the home run, bring back fans after the strike. And now I think it's somewhat hypocritical for them to punish these guys. Um, but, again, one person's opinion. There's nothing that's set in stone that says I'm right and someone else who differs in the, in, on this topic. They could be right, and I could be wrong. Uh, but um, I want to check and see if uh, uh, Eric is still available because before we leave, we've got about seven minutes left of the show. And the one thing that I would like to talk about is something that's near and dear to both of our hearts, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. Are you there still, Eric? I'm here, brother. All right, now. Now, Eric, Eric and I are both devout Dallas Cowboys fans. We are members. Uh, it was Eric who sent me my five, uh, five million Facebook-like Dallas Cowboy T-shirt, which I absolutely appreciate. <laughs> um, we've had a struggle over the last few years. Uh, unlike some teams, when you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, it's we want Super Bowls. But with some other teams, they're content with making the playoffs or having a winning record. Well, we've done that song and dance over the years. Uh, we take a lot of negative feelings because of how we are about our team. But um, we open up Sunday night against the Miami Dolphins on uh, the Hall of Fame game out of Canton, Ohio. They'll be playing at beautiful Fawcett Stadium. Uh, I'm sure Eric will be in front of his TV, and I believe that's about 2 o'clock Hawaii time, just in case you didn't know, Eric. <laughs> and I'll be, uh, I'll be in front of my television uh, with, with my, as T.O. would say, I got my popcorn ready. but. Um, Eric, based on the draft that we had, based on the skill positions we had, and based on you know some of the holes that we had on our team, what is your take on this year's Dallas Cowboy team? The, the funny thing I say is when there's when there's not a lot of hype, I think we do better. <laughs> it's, 
in years previous, like last year, we we seem to get caught up in the own all the, our own hype. Like we're going to be so fantastic and this and that. And Jerry, and I think it's been really really quiet from my side. I mean, I've been prepping for the show, so I haven't been on the blogs as much. But it seems to be more quiet. We haven't we haven't arrested anybody. We haven't killed anybody. We haven't broken any laws, and it seems relatively quiet. So I'm hoping that they're focusing on, you know, gelling as a team and, you know, working on a skill position and everybody doing their job because it seems like when there's a lot of hype for Dallas to come and, you know, and do really well, then we, we, we forget what we're supposed to do and we believe the hype. So, I mean, that seems like a cockamamie idea, but it seems like sometimes it happens that way. Well, with you focusing so much on your competition over the last few weeks, there might have been a couple of situations that you might have that might have missed out on you. Uh, Josh Brent uh, has retired from the NFL. He was in a, a vehicular homicide situation, who was a Dallas, member of the Dallas Cowboy team, but he has decided to retire and focus on this case and, and get that dealt with. Uh, we've had a couple of injuries going in early, um, nothing major. Um, of course, Tony Romo had a cyst removed from his back um, by surgery a few weeks ago. That may hinder him playing uh, the first uh, the first preseason game. Uh, but yeah, you're right. As a whole, we've been rather it's been rather quiet, other than a few injuries here and there. Of course, there was Tony Romo signing his big contract. Uh, Matty Ryan for the Falcons signed his big contract. Uh, so those situations have, have kind of, I don't know if you were, get caught wind of those, but it actually has been a, a relatively quiet training camp for the Cowboys. We've got a whole new uh, defensive coaching staff for the most part. We've got uh, the play calling has been either taken away or relinquished by Jason Garrett. Uh, Callahan will be uh, calling plays, and I hope that that will make a difference because one of our problems in the past has been game management and uh and play calling which was somewhat predictable. Uh but we've got that, that's uh, some that's guys I'm sorry. So that that's confirmed Callahan will be calling the plays. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah that that that's been that that's been decided so far. Uh who's responsible for that decision it hasn't been really laid out but uh that definitely has been changed. But we've got some skilled players that are in shape We've got some young guys that are stepping up. We've got some guys that on the offensive line uh, should be somewhat competitive. We've got some guys that are injured right now on the defensive side. Uh, with Monty Kiffin running the defense, we'll be playing a lot more Tampa 2. Uh, people were worried about the transition uh, from a 4-3 to a, I mean, from a 3-4 to a 4-3. But it, from what I've read and seen, it seems uh, that uh, the personnel that we have fits it really, really well. We did lose a couple of players. Like I said, we lost a couple. We lost one player for the year, and that was uh, a Wilbur on the defensive line. Um, but uh, all the other injuries seem to be uh, maybe at the most. Spencer's was like a four-week situation. But for the he had a, a minor surgery on his knee, but for the most part, it's been pretty good. And I don't know if you uh, are you a big uh, college football fan? Not so much. Not so much. Not so much. Um, well, I am. Uh, if it's football, I don't care if it's Pop Warner. I even spent <laughs> some time out. In, I even spent some time out when I was in Texas helping coach an all girls tackle football team. So as long as there's pigskin, I'm 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 loving it. 
but uh, today came out the the rankings for uh, the preseason rankings for college football. Uh, Dave Reardon and I had discussed this a few weeks ago. We'll probably go over it again later this week or maybe this weekend. But, of course, the roll tie from Alabama was number one, and uh, Texas A&M was ranked, I believe, number five. And I believe that the only WAC or Mountain West, excuse me, Mountain West team that was ranked was was Boise State. I think they were ranked in the top 10 or 12. Other than that, I think uh, Fresno, Utah State got some votes. Hawaii wasn't mentioned. Uh, it could be a long year for our Rainbow Warriors. <laughs> and who do we open up with? The, the Fighting Trojans of University of Spoiled Children. I mean, University of Southern Cal. <laughs> That's going to be So, yeah, that could be ugly. You've got Lane Kiffin coaching those guys. They had a year that wasn't exactly what they expected it to be last year. So, uh, they will probably come out early and make a statement, if at all possible, when they play Hawaii. So that could be rather ugly. But uh, I still love my bows. I am a bow for life. Hopefully they will come out with uh, some uniforms that are more uh, throwbacks to my good old days. But uh, we've only got a few Rainbow seconds left. Side. Absolutely. <laughs> Rainbows down the side. But I wanted to thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Yes, please. Go right ahead. Yeah, I just want to say uh, a lot of love and uh, respect to my sponsor, uh, TeamSideMeet.com. These guys are out of South Carolina. They really believed in me and they're helping me and supporting me through my career. Uh, Russ Charles and uh, Machine Gun Hunt, those guys are really, really good people. They believe in, you know, someone like me who has values and wants to work hard and, and you know, wants to take the sport in a positive direction. So check them out. They've got great gear, TeamSideMeet.com. Uh, great workout gear, cool stuff. I want to give them a shout-out. appreciate their love. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. Again, y'all reached the Motormouth Mosley Radio Show. We had a great show with Eric Yamashita. Look forward to talking to you again during the season. Tune in next this coming Sunday. We'll have another show on. Thanks again, listeners. Thanks again for people who logged on to the website. And, of course, thank you, Eric. Have a great evening. Have a great weekend. And aloha to everybody. Aloha.